The Sacramento Kings fire Luke Walton as their head coach. Are you wondering what that has to do with your Philadelphia 76ers? I'll tell you right now on Locked On Sixers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On 76ers. I am your host, Serena Winters, former Sixers sideline reporter, serving up content to Sixers fans because that is what I love to do. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Serena Winters. We truly appreciate you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free, available on all platforms. So we're going to push Mailbag Monday to tomorrow. So shoot me your questions and I'll do my best to get them on Tuesday. But today I've got two great guests coming up. First, we go to Sacramento to talk to Matt George of Locked On Kings about how the latest news in Sacramento could impact trade packages for Ben Simmons. Then we head to Gina Mizell of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who has her boots on the ground covering the Sixers wherever they are to get her take on what's happening in Philly. So Sunday afternoon, the Sacramento Kings, who the Sixers also happen to be playing Monday night, fire their head coach, Luke Walton. So I immediately called up Matt George of Locked On Kings. Thank you so much for taking the time on a very busy day. Obviously, big news out of Sacramento on Sunday with the firing of Luke Walton. And then you've got the Sixers playing the Kings on Monday. Can you tell us how this all came to be? It's it's truly a dark day here in Sacramento. And there's been many dark days in Sacramento over the last 15 years. There were a lot of people who were waiting for this move to happen. And and truth is this move probably is necessary, but that's not the point. The point is that the Sacramento Kings are now looking for their 11th head coach since they fired Rick Adelman after last making the playoffs in 2006. This franchise has been a revolving door of head coaches, of personnel, of front office personnel, players, even ownership has changed during that playoff drought and the the inconsistencies, the losing culture that this franchise is constantly dealing with makes stuff like this all too common. Uh, and I, I think my ultimate goal on the Locked on Kings podcast and in my interactions with Kings fans, and, and it only feels right for me talking about this situation is to make sure that the spotlight is shining where it's supposed to be shining. The reality is the Kings should be more embarrassed have to fire Luke Walton, then Walton should be at being fired. Hmm. Like th- that that's where this this franchise is at. If you were going to make this move, you should have made it during the offseason when you had time to go through a, a candidate search and there were good candidates available so that you could go into this season that you have labeled. And I'm talking about general manager Monty McNair. You've labeled this season a playoff or bust season for the Sacramento Kings. Now just 16 games or however many games into the season that, that we're at right now. You're pulling the rug out from underneath this team again uh, and still expecting them to try and rally from this. Plus, as of right now, as the recording of this episode, you don't even know uh, who the interim head coach is going to be for the time being. It's just a, a constant state of dysfunction here in Sacramento. So to wrap it all up, like I said, maybe this needs to happen. I don't think Luke Walton necessarily was the right coach for this Kings team. He certainly had issues. 
but it wasn't all on him. There's a lot of issues with this team player uh, wise. There's a lot of issues with this team ownership wise. Uh, and they all need to be brought to the forefront. Luke Walton can't be the fall guy for all of them. They don't deserve that. Well, you said the word dysfunction. That seems like where the Sacramento Kings are at. And a lot of times when a team is dysfunctional, that's when trade talks start to occur. Maybe some guys that a team did not consider trading, maybe now they're going to take a hard look at that. So I'm curious then from this perspective, Matt, how do you think the firing of Luke Walton changes how this organization approaches trade talks? I personally felt that the Kings needed to explore a trade before exploring firing Luke Walton. Now it's a lot easier to get rid of one guy than it is to try and shake up your roster in the NBA. So I understand why it's more common for the coach to be that fall guy and the coach to go first. But this roster has tremendous issues. And, and coming into this season, I was guilty of it. Many of us in Sacramento were guilty of believing this team depth-wise had gotten significantly better. We know they're horrendous defensively, so they're able to bring back Mo Harkless, bring in Alex Len, who these don't sound like the sexiest of, of hirings, but they've been, or signings rather, but they've been successful in Sacramento in the past. The drafting of Davion Mitchell, who's known as that defensive dog mentality uh, that he's shown a little bit, but has kind of dropped off uh, as of late. Personnel-wise, uh, I mean, player-wise, this, this roster needs a lot of work. So players during the offseason that, that we were labeling untouchable here in Sacramento, nobody on this roster deserves to have the label of being untouchable. That includes De'Aaron Fox. That includes T Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and, and that's difficult for me to say as someone who likes a lot of those pieces that I just mentioned here uh, in Sacramento, believes that they can be successful. But the reality is we're not seeing that translate on the floor. And I don't believe any head coach is going to walk through that door like Nate McMillan did for the Atlanta Hawks last year and figure it out and be able to change it that quickly to where suddenly this team is back where they expected and want to be. Oh, and by the way, we're seeing the Hawks struggle this year under Nate McMillan, but that's a story for another day. Look, before the Kings were very reluctant to part with Darren Fox or Tyrese Halliburton in any potential Simmons deal, I'll say, do you think that that then could change now? Or are you just saying from your perspective, it should change? I don't know if I'm there yet. And that's more me fence sitting than anything else. It's, it's, it's like fear of pulling that trigger. A lot of it has to do with Ben Simmons, the unknowns with Ben Simmons coming back to Sacramento. A lot of it has to do with not wanting to give up too quickly on, especially De'Aaron Fox. Like I think if you're asking about the two Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox, who's more available at right now, I think it's De'Aaron just because of how he has been unable to fit with this team. And we've seen Tyrese be able to fit with this team. The reality is Fox's best games this season have been when the Kings as a team look terrible but when the Kings as a team look good, Fox hasn't looked like himself. Um, I'm not trying to read too far into that and say Fox can only be successful. He's the only guy and he's taking all the touches away from everybody else. I'm not willing to, to dive that deep into that rabbit hole and jump to that conclusion because last season, De'Aaron Fox had to be that guy. He was very, very good. And I believe that is who he is and he can get back to that. But to answer your question, uh, if, if out of the two of them, I, I think negotiations are a lot more possible now I wouldn't say probable I'd say possible and those guys could be more available but I still think Monty McNair and the Kings would be reluctant to pull the trigger on either of those guys at this point sure you mentioned De'Aaron Fox what has been going on with him this season I mean you look at his production and his efficiency they've been on a serious decline and to be honest with you just the on-court chemistry between him and Halliburton it just doesn't seem like it's there I was hoping you could tell me truth be told <laughs> 
and, and you might get a glimpse of it on, on Monday when the Sixers play the Kings. It's, it's very strange. Uh, and, and this is where I think some of this falls heavily on Luke Walton. Fox and Halliburton, especially offensively, don't look like they know how to play together. Mm-hmm. And if one guy has the ball, the other's in the corner. And that's just so – I know having multiple primary ball handlers in the modern NBA is, is, is common. It's, it's, a, it's a strength to have versus – but the way the Kings play with two primary ball handlers is how you would expect two primary ball handlers to play together 10 or 15 years ago when that was really unheard of. Like, if one guy's touching it, the other one is, is basically out of the picture. We've only really seen one game this season – where the Kings uh, got good performances out of both really at the same time in that starting lineup, but it was against the Detroit Pistons. And it was the one win during this, this terrible eight game stretch that this Kings team has had. So how much, how much stock do I put in a, in a win over a Detroit Pistons team who may be the worst team uh, in the NBA at this point, other than the Houston Rockets? Um, it's, it's very confusing. Um, he doesn't look like he knows quite where to be, not just with Halliburton, but even like the, the difference in the pick and roll between Tyrese Halliburton and Rashawn Holmes and De'Aaron Fox and Rashawn Holmes is extremely telling to me. Um, De'Aaron has also settled a lot more for mid-range jumpers and, and, and fadeaway step-back jumpers. Everybody's going under screens on him because he hasn't proven he's been able to knock down the three ball, which he's improved on in years past. Uh, and uh, truth be told, um, overall, Fox just doesn't look like he has that confidence. He still is struggling from the free throw line. And I think the foul changes, the foul rules, less uh, trips to the line, less of those calls around the rim. I think that has impacted Fox's game as well. Cause even if we didn't feel like he was getting the star James Harden treatment, uh, he was still getting to the line at a pretty decent rate. When you look at the numbers last season, this season, those numbers are down. And even when he is getting to the line, he's still shooting around his average 70%. Well, Matt, if there's one thing that I have learned from you in this great interview, it's been that there is a lot of dysfunction in Sacramento and it can't just be put on the head coach and Luke Walton. It seems like there's a lot of pieces at play and potentially you and I will be on a podcast down the road and who knows, we'll be talking about a trade that's happening. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to check out Matt George's podcast, Locked on Kings. He does such a great job. Thanks again, Matt. I will say really quickly, too, I'm not predicting this by any means, but the Kings in the past have an odd way of responding to stuff like this and playing well for no reason. So I I wouldn't be shocked if the Kings put up a good fight or maybe even beat the 76ers. Not putting money on that, not predicting that at all. (laughs) But don't be surprised if this Kings team randomly plays well for no reason. Just don't be surprised by that. That is not what Sixers fans want to hear, but at least you're dropping the knowledge. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Matt. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar? 
You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Now we're headed back to Sacramento, but this time to get the Sixers side of things, plus see if we can get an update on Joel Embiid and how the squad has been handling themselves amid such a tough road trip. Joining us now, we have such a great guest, Gina Mizell of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And Gina, before we get to the Sixers talk, I want to talk a little bit about you because you just recently joined the Inquirer before this season started. So you now get to be a beat reporter where you are following this team wherever they go. And you've been following them already for quite some time on this road trip. But tell us just a little bit about your career path and how you wound up in Philadelphia covering the Sixers. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. First of all, Serena, um, I am the newbie on this beat um, and so <laughs> thrilled to, to be at the Inquirer and to be covering the Sixers. But yeah, I've been in the industry now for a little over a decade, which makes me feel very old to Ooh, say. You and me both. Yeah, I know. It's, I feel, it's rough I feel to like say the decade. Green. I feel like Danny Green right now. We're about the same age. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I've, I've been covering the NBA for five seasons. Um, previously was covering the Suns for the Athletic and then also um, worked for the organization for last season. So basically came off of a crazy, incredible finals run and then took the job in Philly. But before that, um, covered the Nuggets for a season for the Denver Post. And then prior to that was a primarily a college football writer. So, um, yeah, most of my career has been spent in this type of role as an on the ground beat writer traveling all over the place, um, crazy hours, all the fun stuff, but (laughs) so, so excited to be here in Philly to be covering an incredibly interesting team. And then to also be at the Inquirer at this time, because if, if, you know, people out there listening have sort of followed um, what's happened at our newspaper, um, there's been a pretty dramatic um, transformation with the sports staff there and a very deliberate, um, you know, vision and a very deliberate sort of just, like I said, transformation. And so to be a part of that, to be on an amazing staff and to be covering an incredibly interesting team in one of the most passionate sports markets in the country. Um, it checked all of the boxes as far as what I was looking for in my next opportunity. So like I said, I'm so excited to be here and, and can't wait to follow wherever this season goes because it's already <laughs> been a little bit of a wild one. And I've been told that this is just how it rolls in Philly, which I'd seen from the outside, but now I'm actually experiencing it every day. You have been told 100% correctly. We'll get to that in just a second, but you said something that I actually found super interesting. So I don't want to just gloss over it. You just said that you actually worked within the Suns organization, which is much different than a lot of our paths where we've been reporters or writers or analysts, you know, all throughout the media side, but you actually worked for the organization itself. Yeah. Yeah. I was a communications consultant for um, last season. And that was a really interesting 
kind of glimpse inside how an organization operates. And I'm hmm. not going to say I understand every you know trade secret now, or I wasn't sitting in front office meetings or coaches meetings or anything like that. But I do think it sort of now gives me a little bit more of a sense of just how organizations operate from the inside. And I hope that that can sort of uh, benefit me or help me be a better reporter, a more, you know, understanding, empathetic person, Um, sort of just having that knowledge is, is I think, really helpful. And so, yeah, I was doing a lot of, you know, I was writing for the website, I was editing, I was also just kind of helping um, sort of bridge the gap between basketball operations and sort of the brand team as far as what were, what was the coaching staff emphasizing and what were, what were the biggest things they were talking about and how could that be incorporated into, you know, marketing and how could that be incorporated into like playoff themes and like all kinds of stuff that I had never really um, dove into before, which, like I said, was really interesting to be a part of that. But then at the end of the season, like I really missed reporting and I really missed doing what we do, like you said. And so, like I said, to be back, you know, on the, on the ground, be back on the beat, to be telling hopefully cool stories about this team um, is, has been really, really gratifying. And I, like I said before, we're just so thrilled to, to be here and to, to be a part of, of everything that we're doing at the Inquirer right now. Well, you mentioned the wild ride of the Sixers and I don't have to tell you because you are already coming to find out quite perfectly what that wild ride is like. So I want to know you know, what's your experience been like since you got here covering this team that also, by the way, has a national story of Ben Simmons really as part of the undertaking of every part of the day to day? Yeah, it's been wild. Um, and just it's been a particularly unique for me because um I don't know Ben. Like I've never had a conversation with him. We don't know each other at all. All I've wild. seen of him is, is when he's, you know, on the other side of the practice gym, like on a stationary bike. And it's like, oh, there's Ben, but it's just, it has been this very interesting sort of thing to be dropped into. And like you mentioned, a national story. And so um, I have to give a huge amount of credit to my colleague, Keith Pompey, who has been so on top of this Ben Simmons story and every little nook and cranny and layer of it. And and so he's been an incredible teammate in that regard and in sort of, you know, being, being, being the figure, not the figurehead, but being the like main anchor on that story. And that has allowed me to sort of attack that storyline in different ways and then to also explore a lot of stories that like aren't the Ben Simmons stuff I feel like I'm on the like not Ben Simmons beat which is great because there's you know 15 other guys on this roster and there's coaches and there's games to be played and and but like you said this has been a huge 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 storyline and just sort of following it and and you know the day-to-day and the new things that seem to come up on an almost daily basis has been fascinating and interesting but yeah like I said it's been it's been really unique for me just because we don't have a personal relationship at all and I've never you know even been in a scrum with him at this point so hopefully that'll happen maybe at some point or maybe he'll just get traded and we'll never know each other I don't know (laughs) it's, it's a very odd situation to be in right now but I will say that anytime that I talk to someone who you know, is, is like not a a Sixers fan or not from Philly and, and it's a friend or a family member. Like that's the first thing they want to know about is what the heck is going on with Ben Simmons. So I, I have experienced that to the, to the nth degree so far, no doubt about it. Well, we'll get a little bit more into that trade talk a little bit later, but first I want to ask you, because you were talking about, you know, you're really trying to find these super interesting stories that also don't have to do with that day-to-day of Ben Simmons. And you've done, in my opinion, a great job of finding those stories. And I'm curious from your perspective then, because you get to give us this insight into these players, can you tell us something from these deep dives that you have done 
that you've learned about a player that maybe we don't know that surprised you? Yeah, that's a great question. And those are my favorite types of stories to do. Um, when people ask, like, what what do I try to do as a reporter? Um, I try to lift the curtain and I try to, you know, share you know, how something is happening, why something is happening, who are these people that are involved in the organization, like what is stuff that I can share with readers and to share with Sixers fans that they can't get by just watching the game or reading a box score or looking up stats or looking up analytics and all that stuff is great. I'm just, you know, I feel like there's an extra layer that we can provide um, as journalists and as storytellers, but um, no, what I've, I've really, my, I would say my two favorite stories that I've done so far um, are one that actually is in Sunday's Inquirer, and it was online earlier this week, um, where I sat down with Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, and Paul Reed, and just basically had them relive their their rookie year because earlier this week I believe it was Thursday all these days don't make sense anymore um I'm already to the point where I don't know what day it is but Life it was of a beat year, writer yeah it was the year anniversary of the draft so like you look at someone like Tyrese Maxey and until this week he had not even been a part of the Sixers organization for one year and it's obviously been such a strange time for everybody in society but kind of giving them a chance to sort of just share what their unique experience was like and, and the bond that they had forged the three of them together just because they all sort of were going through it together and just everything that normally goes into a rookie season, but all the extra layers because of just how strange this time in our society was. So that was a really fun story to write. The other one that I really enjoyed um, was about Andre Drummond and his relationship with Doc Rivers family um, with his adopted son, Adam Jones, and just kind of how that relationship when they were in prep school has carried through till now. And that's a big reason why he's on this team right now. And so again, getting a chance to talk to, to Adam, to talk to their high school coach, to talk to both of, you know, both of them just about their friendship and sort of how they had this running joke that doc would eventually sign him at some point. And then here he is now on the Sixers and obviously needing to play a huge role on this team now with the Joel Embiid out. Um, Like I said, those are the stories that are really enjoyable for me to report and write. And so, you know, I hope anytime someone reads a story like that, that maybe they did learn something that they didn't know about a player before. And then when you're watching them on the court, you kind of just have this unique insight or different insight or added insight that maybe you didn't have just by, you know, watching how they dribble a basketball or how they shoot or how they play defense. Um, you know, that these are, these are human beings. And I'm always trying to remind readers of that because that's, you know, that's sort of what makes sports unifying and it makes it, um, you know, a relatable experience, even though these are millionaire athletes and we're just normal people, there's still a connectivity there and a common ground. And that's, you know, again, something I'm always trying to portray and to show people. I read the article in Sunday's Philadelphia Inquirer. I thought it was great. I laughed at the Tyrese Maxey carrying Joel, Joel Embiid's bag story yes. where he tripped. <laughs> yes, and like caught it. And I, But again, you see them, you see those shots of them walking onto the plane all the time. You've probably done that walk as someone yep. who's flown on, on the charter before. And I'm always like, how did, uh, do they ever slip on the ice in the snow? And there you go, Tyrese. There Maxey. you go. He's exactly done it. That. <laughs> well, Gina, I have so much more to ask you, including what is the status? of Joel Embiid right now. Can you join us for another segment? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. But first, let me tell you all about Built Bar, because if you know anything about me, you've heard me talk about it before. I just love snacks. I just love them. And bars to me are the easiest thing to carry around. And Built Bar, they are low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. They are covered in 100% real chocolate, the flavors. I mean, they're delicious. I usually want to go for something more chocolatey, but sometimes I'm in like the raspberry mood. They've got a raspberry one out right now. 
But most built bars are only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein, and they have new surprise flavors all month long. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Gina, you hungry now? Yeah. And I'm with you in that, especially when you're on the road, like the worst thing is when you get to a hotel room and you're like, I have no food. I don't want to leave my room. I just want to like sit in my sweats and you know, something that you, you got to have stuff in, in your bag somewhere. So maybe I need to go get some, some bill bars to add to the collection. You know, what else is the worst when you're on the road and traveling and you don't like, sometimes there were times, not many, but there were times where I ate all of my snacks in my bags because I just, I just, yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's those nights and you do, you get in sometimes, sometimes we get in at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, you're starving, mm-hmm. nothing's open. And sometimes the hotels have snacks in the room, but it's $14 yep. for a granola bar. <laughs> and so then you've got to decide, do you want to spend the $14 to curb your hunger on the granola bar? Yep. Or do you not? And yep. usually, I mean, I was just, I was so cheap. I didn't want to spend the $14 in the granola bar. So I, I should have had the uh, built bars in my bag at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a reason why they charge that because they know some people will pay it. They know. Even, even I know. Some, enough people must that they're that desperate. So desperate times yeah. call for desperate measures, you know? Okay. So I know that people would rather hear about Joel than my, uh, my granola bar stories, but <laughs> We need to know, look, Joel Embiid has been in health and safety protocols since November 8th. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a minute. What mm-hmm. can you tell us as the latest on him and when listeners can expect him to hopefully return? Yeah, well, at this point, what's I think most interesting is that we're kind of coming to the end of this marathon road trip where there's only two games left um, on Monday in Sacramento and then on Wednesday against Golden State. And is it a matter of, is it not, is it worth flying him across the country? But like, when do you sort of, where's the line of that? Do you, if he clears protocols for the golden state game, do you fly him to San Francisco to then fly all the way back to Philly? Or is he better off training and trying to get some conditioning back and, and what's maybe the bigger benefit in the long run? So yeah, like you mentioned, it's been longer than 10 days. Um, but you just, you have to clear the 10 days, but also you have to have the two negative tests in a row and would all be most curious to see with Joel is just, again, he's a bigger guy and the conditioning and the playing himself back into shape and just all that stuff. And I mean, to, to, you know, Tobias Harris's credit, he's looked great coming back. Um, you know, Matisse Thibault looks pretty good yesterday, you know, coming back in, in that uh, game in Portland, but um, I'll be just really curious to see how Joel looks because I mean, we know he was symptomatic. Um, you know, this is a, again, everyone's different in how they respond coming back from the virus, but, um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see if he's able to come back at some point on this trip or if they sort of hold him out to, you know, come back for those two home games. Cause then we go right back on the road again. This is a stretch of 10 and 12 on the road, which is just absolutely bonkers, but yeah, it's, it's still sort of wait and see at, at this point. And maybe there'll be more updates, you know, coming tomorrow, but it, it kind of just feels like a day-to-day thing still at this point. Yeah. I would be really surprised knowing the Sixers that they would, like you said, fly him out for the end of this road trip. Um, I think it would make much more sense to, to try to get him in when the Sixers come back and are at home. But like right. you said, you never know what's day to day. What about Tobias Harris? He left the game at the end of the game against the Blazers. Is he doing okay? Is there any update on him? Should we expect him to play against the Kings Monday night? 
Yeah, there was no update immediately after the game, especially because that injury happened um, in the fourth quarter, like late in that in that game. And so um, I've been checking the injury report throughout the day. And before we hit record, there was still no update there. Um, the team the team did not practice in Sacramento on Sunday. Uh, so again, there there might be by the time this comes out, maybe there will be uh, an update on his status. But yeah, Doc Rivers didn't have anything, um, you know, heading into or heading out of that Portland game. And again, this team's already shorthanded, so it can't really afford any more any more injuries, even of the, the minor variety. So, again, hopefully there's more more to come on that either, you know, Monday morning or, or heading into the game. The Sixers, the past seven games, they've got one win, which means they've lost six out of seven yeah. for any team. That's, you know, it's tough. It's tough on your confidence. It was great that they got one win because sometimes you just need to remember that you can win games, but from being around the team now, how were they taking those losses? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously frustrating and this season's kind of been a yo-yo where they, you know, went from winning six in a row in, in very like surprising top of the Eastern conference. Exactly. Yeah. It was like a huge pleasant surprise. Cause that was sort of at the start of, of guys going into protocols and some injuries kind of piling up. And I think now you're just kind of seeing some kind of the lasting effects. And of course, when Joel goes into protocols, that's different. No offense than when Isaiah Joe goes into protocol. Those are just two very different things, but, you know, overall in talking with, with players and, you know, when they come into the press conference room and they speak to us, like, I think, spirits are still high in regards to like, they, they know the situation. It's not like they're at full strength and they're losing six out of seven. They, they know that their best player is still on, on his way back. They know they've been shorthanded. They know that guys are playing, you know, weird lineups and out of position in certain cases. And, and it's still early in the season. I mean, we haven't even hit the, the quarter mark, which will come, you know, here in, in a few games, but you know, there's also that balance though, of like, you know, George Niang last night was like, you know, please don't use that as an excuse for us losing. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're still disappointed and we're still frustrated that we're, we're losing these games, but it's such a unique balance in the NBA. And I'm sure you've seen it too, just, you know, being around teams for, for many years that you, it's such the cliche of you can't get too high, you can't get too low, but you have to, you have to balance knowing it's an 82 game schedule versus like, okay, but what can we still immediately get better at, even though, um, you know, Joel Embiid isn't here right now. Uh, and so I think there's still a lot of, figuring out to do, but yeah, that, that win in Denver was, um, was a great, great win for this team. Um, and I still think, you know, heading into the Sacramento game, obviously there's a lot of uh, turmoil and drama there right now with Luke Walton getting fired on, on Sunday and, and then golden state is playing excellent basketball right now. So, um, you know, it's going to be tricky to, to get these last two on this road trip, but, you know, certainly you want to try to at least get one of them if you're the Sixers and then come home. And then there's two, two winnable games at home coming after this. So yeah, it's, 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 you know, a situation where guys are, are, I think, steady, but also, you know, certainly not happy that, they, that they've lost six out of seven. Sure. You mentioned the big news on Sunday, Luke Walton being fired as the Kings head coach. Obviously, the Sixers now taking on the Kings Monday night. And look, the Sixers and Kings are two of the teams that have been heavily linked in trade rumors over the past right. couple of months. So, Are you hearing anything on the trade front, whether or not this impacts it or really just anything in general? We just want to know, are you hearing anything, Gina? Right, right. Well, it's definitely worth monitoring because again, this is a situation now where 
okay, Luke Walton gets fired. And that's kind of been the rumbling for the last few days to, to last few weeks that, that this could be coming, or this was a possibility. And so is this one move of, of now many moves, or is this one domino of many dominoes? And so um, I think that's too, when you look at the potential suitors for, for Ben Simmons, uh, that I think that's partially what Daryl Morey is waiting for is are mm-hmm. some of these teams that still, you know, at the beginning of the season had high hopes, but then maybe things start to not go so well. And it's like, okay, do we need to make a change? Do we need to have like a shot in the arm, so to speak, to bring somebody in to, to maybe change things up? And so, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see now how Sacramento responds as far as the players and if this writes the ship, if it's still kind of teeters and it's like, okay, yeah, do you, do you try to make a move to energize a fan base that has not experienced the playoffs in a very, 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 very long time? And, and yeah, so I think that's just, that, that makes this situation interesting. And it's kind of, you know, one of the first uh, in the league that, could impact the Sixers in this way. I mean, you look at, again, they just played Portland and I know Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum obviously have been linked to, to the, to the rumors with Ben as well. And um, you know, you kind of go down the list of, of other potential teams that could be in the running, but yeah, when I, when I saw the news about Luke Walton come across my phone on Sunday morning, I was like, okay, like it did make me, my eyes kind of eyebrows raise a little bit just because oftentimes when something like this happens, it's not like, oh, all you do is fire the coach and nothing else changes. A lot of times it's that, you know, that's one step of of several that could be made down the line. So not saying it means that a trade between the Sixers and Kings is imminent or anything like that, but that it's just, this is the type of thing that we've been talking about when we've said, okay, let's see what happens with other teams and what that could potentially mean for the trade market just in general for Ben. Right. I mean, you've got a team that, Originally, you're hearing guys like Darren Fox and Halliburton are off the table, but then you fire a head coach. And let me tell you, those statements can turn pretty quickly when you're in the situation that the Kings are certainly in. But Gina, thank you so much for joining us on Locked on Sixers. We hope to have you back, especially since you are covering this team day in and day out and you are traveling and following them wherever they go. Thank you so much for joining us. Please follow Gina on Twitter. Twitter is Gina Mizell. Please read the Philadelphia Inquirer, both her and Keith Keith Pompey. If you're listening, you know Keith Pompey. He does such great work. You guys both do great work. And thanks again for coming on the pod. Thanks so much, Serena. And yeah, anytime. Happy to join whenever you need some some fun stories from the road or things like that. (laughs) Perfect. Well, that's going to wrap it. This episode of Locked On Sixers. Head over to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. We'll see you tomorrow.